Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us for today's podcast. Today's talk is the second of a two-part series titled Famous Last Words. Today, our children's minister, Linda Vanoy, and elder Bill Davis share with us more last words. Linda talks of three crosses and three men, and Bill captures the meaning of Jesus' words, it is finished, as he challenges us to finish strong. Here now are Linda and Bill. And good morning. Welcome to Palm Sunday. Yay, yay. That's why I work in kids' ministries. Thank you for that. It's a wonderful thing to be able to be here and to think about and reflect on some of Jesus' last words while he was on the cross. The portion that I get to speak with you today about, and it's in your bulletin if you would like to follow along, are the famous last words of, Today you will be with me in paradise. But I'd like to give you a little bit of background before we get to those words. So our first slide, or you may open up in your Bible into the book of Luke, chapter 23, and we will start with verses 32 and 33. And just to give you a little bit of the scene, how the scene opens in Luke 23. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the other criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Roman execution was one that had great meaning for the Romans. It was one that was very much, it was very horrific, but it made a message. It, it put out there that, um, that this would be the worst way that you could die. This was very painful. It was very humiliating. It was before everyone. And Calvary was the scene of three crosses. The crosses looked the same. The methods were done the same, how they put these three men on the cross, on three different crosses, but each of them were different. So let's take a look at each one. In Luke chapter 23, verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him and said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. This man was on a cross of that we would call rebellion. Here was a man that was hardened and shameless, hurled insults at the Lord, telling him that he had remembered along with everyone else. There were leaders, there were Roman soldiers that were below the cross that were gambling for his robes. Everyone was talking. And a lot of them were very insulting, all those comments that were made. There was a chance for forgiveness right there on the cross for this man. This man saw Jesus on this cross. This man was in the very presence of God. But let's look at the other man. In verses 40 to 42, it says, But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we're punished justly, for we are getting just what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. This was the cross of repentance. Here is a man on the other side that began like the first criminal that we read about in the Bible, that he hurled insults. He mocked the Lord himself. But he realized that he was making, he was dying for what his deeds put him on that cross to die for. 
But he also realized that Jesus didn't deserve to be there. It took courage, I think, for him to even speak and be able to say to that other, that other thief on the other side, we deserve to be here, he doesn't. Valuable lessons here for us that I think is great is that salvation and, and time with God's forgiveness is right there before us. All it takes is simple faith and repentance, much like this man. This man also could say that um, the worst, a criminal, that God would look with love upon him and that he could be saved and that it's never too late to come to Jesus. We've often been with people that have been late in the stages of their life, whether they're in a hospital and they're in their home. And it's amazing that they've heard of Christ all their life. And then one night, one moment, it seems like right before their dying breath, they make this recognition of Jesus and they say, forgive me. And the Lord takes you at that moment. But there's so much that he wants to give to you before that last moment. And this man had asked, if we can go to the next slide, which says, Jesus answered this man, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Here this criminal not only said that he knew that he had done wrong, not only had he said that he realized that Christ had done nothing wrong, and all he asked was for God to remember him. Jesus, just remember me. And I love how Christ, much like he acts today, he gives more than what you ask for. Not only did Jesus respond by remembering him, he says, today, today you'll be with me in paradise. That word paradise is a Persian term that is used for a, a, um, a word picture of a man who owns a beautiful walled garden. And when he wanted, as a monarch, wanted to uh, acknowledge one of his people, he would invite him into his paradise, into that walled garden, and walk with him and be his companion. God looked at this other thief and said, not only will I remember you, but today, today you'll be with me in paradise. You will be in the very presence of me. Jesus died on the cross as a voluntary sacrifice for your sins and for mine. He spoke of his death before he even was there at the cross. This was the last act of the Son of God to save a sinner like you and I. So if I were to ask you, which cross signifies you? Is it that cross of, of rebellion that you're saying, you know what, I, 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 I don't need you, God. I, I can do this all on my own. Or we can move to the cross of repentance that says, Lord, I thank you for seeing my sin, dying for my sin, and giving me a place with you in paradise. Together, Jesus says that today you will be with me in paradise. Those words work for us today. It brings us hope for our past. It brings us hope for our present. And it brings us hope for our future. Jesus still uses that word today. He says today is the day of salvation. 
Today, he is waiting to occupy each of our lives. Today, he wants to walk with us through all of our tomorrows. Today is Palm Sunday. Today's the day when many in the city of Jerusalem were waving their palm branches and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were wanting him to be king. In five days, they would be uttering the words, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus knew what those days were coming ahead, and he walked it. He walks with each of us. He says, this is my answer to you. I love you. His final answer was the empty tomb. The tomb is way past the day of Good Friday, the day he paid for us. On the tomb gives us that hope that he did all this for us. He went through the cross all the way through the tomb and lives today and says, today, choose me. Choose me today. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I thank you for the promise of today. I thank you that you walk with us through our present days. You've taken care of our past and you long to give us future with you. Thank you for the promise of these words that today we can be with you in paradise. Thank you that you promise to walk as a companion alongside us. May we choose you in your name. Amen. Well, good morning, Bay Hills. I'd like you to turn to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, that's found on page 768 if you're following along using one of the church Bibles. We're going to look at the last word that Jesus spoke this morning before he gave up his life on the cross. John chapter 19, starting in verse 28, we read, Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You know, it's interesting, as I was studying this week in preparation for uh, this morning's brief message, uh, the word that John uses in his gospel and the word that Jesus spoke is actually a single word in the Greek, and that word is tetelestai. It's tetelestai, a single word, and it's translated into the English as it is finished. But ultimately, that word, that doesn't actually capture the spirit of what that word actually means. And so I put it up on the screen for you. Literally, it means that something has come to an end or something has been completed. Something has been perfected or accomplished or paid in full. Now, this week I had an opportunity to travel to Denver. On a Friday night, I was getting to my plane and I actually got stuck And so I had to call the travel agency. They booked me into a hotel so I'd catch a flight on Saturday. And so I went out to grab a quick bite to eat and uh, I was so I could watch the basketball games. Some of you are watching the Final Four, things like that. So I went out, I watched the basketball games at this restaurant and 
there was a commercial that was playing, and it, and it showed uh, captions. I think it was for a TV, and it showed all these endings of, of movies. You know how old movies, at the very end, it used to say, the end? And so they showed all these clips where it said, the end. You know, remember those movies that used to do that? Some of you remember those movies. If you remember those movies, that, then that says you're pretty old. And ultimately, oh, I know, now I'm in trouble. So ultimately, though, yeah, we had to be told that it was the end of the movie. And, and so we knew when to leave. But this it is finished, is not like that, the end, like in the movies. This is actually a little bit different. Tetelestai, as I was studying this week, actually is the same term that uh, merchants would use on invoices to indicate that your invoice was paid in full. It was paid in full. So, for example, I, I pulled out an old Honda of El Cerrito invoice, and I was looking at it, and I said, oh, yeah, there it is, bottom of the invoice, paid in full. So if this invoice represented my sin... When Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished, he, the equivalent of stamping, tetelestai, it is finished. It's been paid in full. My sin's been paid in full. So if this represents my sin, it's been paid in full. Now, some of you are in second service and David told you about my uh, sin. If this represented Pastor David's sin, that's the equivalent. He took it and he said, paid in full, tetelestai. It's over. It's done. It's completed. And that's the thing, and that's one of the things that is important to note, is that Jesus Christ's death on the cross actually is not the end, it's actually the beginning. It should be encouraging and motivating to us to let us know that, you know what, this is something that's good. This is something that's great, and should encourage us to finish in such a way that it's so strong, because you know what, God has set the ultimate example of what it is to finish strong. So I want to take a look at that question, and that is, how can we finish and finish strong? How can we finish and finish strong? And I'm going to use a couple of examples. One, I want to look at the Apostle Paul. And then I want to look at a couple of other verses in the Bible. So if you're following along in the study guide, there's a couple of verses that are there. And you can outline those or highlight them as I go through. And the first verse I want to look at is found in 1 Corinthians 9. And it's verse 24. And it's up here on the screen. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. You may want to highlight that, underline it, circle it. Some of you know that a long time ago, before I met Janelle, about 10 years ago, I used to run a lot. I actually used to run marathons. And uh, my first marathon, uh, the, my key motivation, now I would knew I wasn't going to beat the Kenyans. I already knew when I was going into the marathon I wasn't going to meet the Kenyans. So, in, so I, I had a different goal in mind, and my goal in that marathon was to get the Pop-Tart blanket. You guys know what the Pop-Tart blanket is? It's, that my, it's the same material that Pop-Tarts are covered in, but it's a big blanket. It wraps around it. If you ever watch like the Boston Marathon when the people come in and they get wrapped up, that was my motivation. That was my goal. That was my prize. So I figured, okay, I've got to run about a seven-minute mile pace in order to get the Pop-Tart blanket. So at the end of the race, I, I came in. I finished in about three hours, 50 minutes or so like that. But there at the end of the race was this lady, and she was there with a, a bag of goodies with water and stuff and the Pop-Tart blanket. And it was so exciting. I was, I was thrilled that I was getting this Pop-Tart blanket. And that was my goal. You know, because I knew that my race was going to be different from all the other, other racers. But ultimately, I had a goal in mind that I wanted to finish strong. And what Paul is saying here is run in such a way as to win the prize. And don't quit. Don't give up. 
Don't give up. Along the road, I saw people walking. I saw people who'd stopped on the side to get picked up by the bus. But I was so motivated by that Pop-Tart blanket that I kept going. I know, I know it seems silly, but at the same time, I kept going. And that's one of the things I want to encourage you to do. One of my favorite shows is The, uh, the Biggest Loser. Some of you have seen The Biggest Loser. Anybody watch The Biggest Loser in here? Okay, so if you watch The Biggest Loser, great show. It's about weight loss. And so it, just like in most of these reality TV shows, you have to p- compete in this competition. And one of the things that I love about The Biggest Loser is that when the, comp- when the person wins the competition, the competition doesn't end for the rest of the contestants. They keep going until every single one of them finishes the competition. And I think we can take a page from The Biggest Loser as it relates to our lives and say, you know what? I'm going to finish this race. Even though I didn't win the immunity or whatever, and I'm going to finish because it's important to me. My race is not the same as the other racers. So it's important for me not to quit. And so I just want to encourage you today, in order to finish strong, you have to keep going. And there are going to be times in your life where you say, you know what? I just can't do it. Jesus would say, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Don't quit. And so would Paul. Paul would say, run in such a way as to get the prize. Don't quit. The second uh, point I want to talk about this morning, and that follows along in verse 25 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, when Paul writes, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And so what I want to encourage you to do this morning is to keep training. Keep training. Some of you know that my career is actually in corporate training and education. And I picked that career because I was so inspired and motivated to encourage and help people succeed in their daily jobs. That is something that is so vitally important to me that people be successful in what it is that they do. And so that's how I chose that career. And one of the people that I've encountered in my career is a, a man by the name of Pete Bonnix, and he was at my last company, and he said, he said to me this. He said, you know, what professional baseball player doesn't take batting practice every single day? All the batters, all the major league players take batting practice every day. Why is that? Because they want to hit the ball out of the park. They want to get the ball in play. They want to help win for their team. Every single player is taking batting practice every single day. If you think about all professional athletes, whether they're going for the Stanley Cup, whether they're going for the Final Four, whether they're going for uh, the, the Super Bowl, they're always training. And that's one of the things that we have to keep doing. We have to continue to train in order to finish strong. If, if you're coming to church on Sundays and hoping this is enough training for you to get through the week, let me tell you, it's not enough. You have to commit yourselves to training, and it's not that difficult. It's no big secret. How do you train? You spend time in your Bible throughout the week reading the scriptures. Find a chapter or two that you can read during the week. Prayer. We saw that example last week when David spoke about prayer, how Jesus, up to the end of his life, he was praying. Bible study. Getting into a community group is a great way to continue to study the Bible and to keep training. Serving in the church, that's another great way to keep training. The key is, is to keep training so that in order, when you face those challenges, when you face those times, when you're ready to give up, you'll be prepared and you'll be, you'll be trained and ready to go. Now, if I had trained once a week for that marathon that I ran back, in, back 10 years ago, I would have been in trouble at the day of the race. But because I was training on a daily basis, I was able to keep going. I was able to finish the race and finish strong. So I want to encourage you to keep training. And the last thing I want to encourage you 
to do is to stay focused. Stay focused. In Hebrews 12, 2, we read, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus set the ultimate example in finishing strong. You know, as I was reflecting on it this week, I was thinking about all the things he did in his final hours here on earth. He's praying to his father at the very end. He's making sure that arrangements are made so his mom will be taken care of before he, he dies. He's making sure she's taken care of. And he saves a guy at the very end of his life. A guy who was a criminal who had been convicted and who was destined for hell. And he said, you know what? Today you will be with me in paradise. And I was reflecting on that all the way to the end of Jesus Christ's life. He finished strong. And he sets the ultimate example for us. So we have to stay focused on the example that Jesus sets for us in his life and what he did on the cross. And you know, if you're here today, you're not a believer. You say, I, I don't believe in this Jesus. I'm just checking it out. You know what? Today is a great day to recognize what Jesus did and accept the gift that he offered on the cross. You know, if Paul wraps up in uh, his life and he writes to his uh, understudy, Timothy, and 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Don't quit. Keep training. Stay focused. You know, I wonder how many of us will be able to say tetelestai at the end of our lives. I want to leave you with three questions that you can just reflect on as you're leaving here today in order to commit to finishing and finishing strong. And that's these three questions right here. And you can fill them out in your study guide. What do I need to start doing? What do I need to start doing? What is it that I have been putting off? What is it that I haven't done that I need to start doing today? And start today. What do I need to stop doing? What is it that is hindering me or preventing me from moving forward in my race or finishing strong? And then what do I need to continue doing? What are the things that I am doing and I'm doing well, but I need to continue and make sure that I'm committed to continuing so that I might finish strong? I want you to hold that thought in your head. I want you to think about one of those questions and one of the answers that you came up to. And as we head into our time of communion, I just want you to commit that, that element to, to Jesus this morning. Let's pray. Father, what an awesome example you set for us on the cross. What a great opportunity we have to study your word and to, to learn from the example that you set. Father, we know that, that we all have different races marked out for us, but this morning we want to commit to, to finishing strong. And Lord, we... We lift up this time to you, and as we head into communion, Lord, and we think about the sacrifice that you gave, Lord, we just, we just lift up our hearts and our souls and our minds to you this morning. And we say thank you. And we commit to finishing strong. In Jesus' name, amen.
It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.